So before we get to the interview with Randy Gerber, and I am so grateful that I was introduced to him by Allison Forge, an amazing business leader, a person that understands the entrepreneurial journey and provides such value back to those business leaders. But he raises a really interesting question about, are we really in tune with the needs of our workforce? And yes, a global crisis has spawned or accelerated the need to understand what they really want, because at the end of the day, humans still run businesses. Forget about the best automation and technology. People are the ones that need to make critical decisions. And then perhaps for a long time, they have wanted a different approach to their work environment. So this has passed. We are beyond it. We are moving towards our new reality. But I ask you as a leader, are you close enough to the needs of the people? And do you have an infrastructure that periodically checks in with them to understand their needs and wants in order to thrive in an organization? I too wanted to work remote when I worked in corporate and I always felt guilty that one day a month or two that I would say I need to work from home. And it was one of those most productive days that I can remember. And so we don't want our people to feel uncomfortable or guilty for if they need a little extra time. And what might be that next opportunity that people are looking for that flexibility and aligning with organizations that truly value them. So think about it. Are you really in touch with their needs? And now let's listen to my interview with Randy. We're living in odd times today. Since April 2020, we've been talking about how this pandemic is going to change our labor force substantially. And and last year, it was change that was forced upon us by primarily governments. And so now that we've moved largely past that, people now are are looking at change saying, huh, we handled change okay last year. And it was change that was forced upon us. And and now I'm thinking about change that I'm self-inducing. So you have a labor force that's very much in motion that where do they want to work? How do they want to work? How much do they want to work? What do they want to do? We're seeing a real alignment of people identifying with companies or associations they want to work for and they want to embrace. And so I think as business leaders, number one, you have to accept the change and volatility of your labor force. And number two, embrace those people who want to leave and embrace the people who want to join you. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the drop-in CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, Join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, my name is Deb Cobiello, founder of Illumination Partners, and I want to thank you for joining us on another episode of the Drop-In CEO podcast, where week after week, I bring insights and inspiration from industry leaders. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe rate, review, so we can continue to bring you fantastic programming. And today I have the honor of sharing the mic with my fantastic guest, Randy Gerber. And before I get into his bio, shout out to Allison, who introduced me to an amazing human doing some fantastic work. 
So Randy is the founder and principal of Gerber LLC, and he is an Ohio native and an avid Buckeye fan, and he has been a successful business owner, a devoted family man, and a huge OSU fan. So he has figured it out how to blend the entrepreneurial journey, the business, and the personal life, and that's the real reason why I wanted to bring him onto the program. But without further ado, Randy, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, and uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So for my listeners, again, shout out to Allison. I had the good fortune of being connected with Randy. I have been sharing with you that I have been on an entrepreneurial journey as a business leader, trying to figure it out and leave an lasting impact for the people that we serve. But Randy has spent most of his life in this area and he understands the challenges, not just of an entrepreneur, but any leader, regardless of where they're at in transformation. So his insights and how he gives back is absolutely amazing. And that's why I wanted to bring him on the show. So Randy, share a little bit more about you personally, though I have a few more things I'm going to ask about you. And how did you arrive at the work that you're doing now? I went to Ohio State. I actually, well, I was born in Cleveland, I went to high school in Buffalo, in a small town in Buffalo, I went to Ohio State and was really lost as to what I wanted to do. And so I got into general financial planning. And after the course of being in it for 10 years, learned a couple of things, one of which is that those people that we had done holistic work for were doing better than those that weren't. And also realized that after 10 years, that I really loved working with entrepreneurs and business leaders in part because their cup is always half full and problems are opportunities. They're not problems. Our first company values be present, be positive. And I generally think that entrepreneurs and business leaders, it's natural for them to be positive, which is a good way to go through life. It's a great way to go through life. So once we made the transition to work with entrepreneurs, a real obvious question got into, well, if we're going to do this, we have to help them grow their business, which is their most important asset. So we really started paying attention with our successful clients. What were they doing that worked? When did they hire a new CFO? When did they expand? Geographically, when did they expand the leadership team, et cetera, et cetera? When did they upgrade their bank or the lawyer or their accountant? And how they deal with people, big one, right? Because all businesses are dependent on people. So around 2007, we became exclusive to working with entrepreneurs and really helping them grow their business with purpose. And I, too, being an entrepreneur and actually cursed with, in many respects, and I love my mom to death, which is awesome. However, her counsel to me was go to college, get a good job, and get good benefits. And so when I first started my business, it was all about trying to make $100,000 and realized that there's more to this than simply have a good job and good benefits at $100,000. We believe that if you're an entrepreneur or a business leader, you're in a super powerful place to change the world in a positive, better place. If you're an aspiring leader, and you're building an inspiring business and inspiring your people who work for you to live better lives. I mean, it's just, it's very exponential, very compounding how you change the world. And that's truly a day to day basis. What I live for, my team lives for, we know that through our 200 some odd clients that we're inspiring our leaders to be better leaders to have their employees have better lives and change the world in a positive way. Wow. <laughs> very purposeful. And that's the reason why I wanted to bring you onto the show. But Again, sometimes 
these conversations are between you and I and our listeners are enjoying this because I'm on that journey. And I'm very curious. I have a deep question here because we go into this with a lot of energy. Yes, the cup is half full and we live purposely and we see it is a long game. And we plant the seeds and we set it up the right way for success. But what do you tell somebody when they're not quite yet seeing the results, when they're at that tipping point between, you know what, I just have to either fold, change direction, or continue on that path? Because sometimes you're not always control of the result. The clients or the people that you serve have to be ready. What do you tell somebody when they're at that point in the journey? It's a really good question, Deb. And I think the first question I would really ask is, what are, are you measuring the right results? I don't need to be elusive about this, but for the most part, I think if you, I mean, it's one thing about America still, this very day, if you're willing to work hard and be honest, you're going to win in some way. You're going to win economically. You may not set the world on fire, but you're going to be better than fine. You'll be successful financially. You're going to have reliable business and you're going to be independent. The results question is a big one. Now, there's plenty of entrepreneurs out there who don't make a million dollars a year, even make a million dollars a year, but they have nice businesses and they're in control of their destiny. So I think it's really a function of chipping away at it. In my experience, people, they do give up. And the number one, you have to be passionate about what you do. And if you're not passionate, it will show up at some point in time that you're not passionate. And it's just not going to work out. So, and that was for me, you know, when I was doing general financial planning for anybody, it became obvious I wasn't passionate about that, but I was passionate about helping people who own businesses. And so that was a super simple transition for me. It was, I was very intuitive, very obvious. Back to your question, I think that you have to be passionate about whatever it is you're doing. If you are and you're willing to work hard, you're going to continue to chip away at it. And now, you've brought up a really good point, And I want to just highlight this because this is relevant to whether you're a senior leader in an existing corporate role, but to the entrepreneur or even an emerging leader. One of the things you said is maybe we're not measuring the right stuff. So the easy and obvious one is revenue or your income or perhaps sales. And yes, we should measure that, but that's often a lagging indicator after one has said yes, or yes, you have performed a service and will compensate. When I think about it, and again, this has been a mindset shift for myself, is I kind of flip the pyramid. I put revenue as, yes, something that I measure, but it's down at the bottom. But it's about how many people have I connected with? How many people start introducing me to people? How many people have said, hey, I'd like to invite you to speak, even though there may not be a measurable direct revenue thing? When I start feeling pull, and more of that is happening than in the past when I was pushing, I hope and believe that is a leading indicator that I am doing the right things in the entrepreneurial journey. Your thoughts? I mean, you're speaking my language. That's exactly me. I can't stress what you just said. I spend, organizationally spend a lot of time talking about this, that of course you have to measure your lagging indicators, which are traditional things like, like revenue and profit and cash flow and et cetera, et cetera. But from the standpoint of being a business leader, that you have to identify those activities that you can control that will ultimately, at the end of the day, drive revenue. And so Alison Perche, who connected us, is the queen of that. She's phenomenal at focusing on those activities that she can control that ultimately lead to revenue over time. So I'm quite content that with our teams here, that they have the right key performance indicators, KPIs, 
that are behaviors they can control that ultimately will drive revenue and therefore drive profit. At the end of the day, it is my responsibility as an entrepreneur or the business leader to control profit and control cash flow. But I have to inspire my team to work in those areas where they can control that contribute to the overall success of the organization. All right. Well, that's beautiful. And again, that's why I'm so glad that we got connected. But I do want to celebrate something. Again, I don't like to necessarily date these podcasts, but you have recently published a book after a very long time, The Integrated Entrepreneur, Achieving Happiness in Relationships business and life. Tell me about that journey and what are you hoping the impact will be? When I made the decision to work with first-generation entrepreneurs, I knew in my heart of hearts 2003 that's what I wanted to do. I mustered up the courage in 04 to start it and 05 really embraced it. And one of the things that was very obvious, there's very little material out there about first-generation entrepreneurs. And at the end of the day, Deb, I, I believe that we're all doing this. We're all doing something in this world to have fun, to have pleasure, to be enjoyable. It would be a sad life if you went through life just miserable all the time, even though you were doing good things. And so as human beings, one of the things that I think most of us care about are relationships and intimate relationships with your family and your friends and your best employees and associates. And so... I went on a journey starting in around 04, 05, I don't remember now, to really understand the relationships entrepreneurs have with their parents, their siblings, their children, their friends, their employees during five stages of success as we define them in the book and two stages of temporary failure. And the kind of ironic thing is that I wrote the book and I had a research assistant out of Houston help me not to publish it, actually, but rather it seemed like a decent format to use to get the material I wanted. So you know, once after a few years, we got what I wanted, and I kind of shelved it. And one of my employees stumbling through some old files found it, and she said, what's this? I'm like, well, it's a book. I said, what are you going to do with it? I'm like, well, nothing, because I did it for research. And she convinced me to say, you have to publish this. So it took some time that we did and just came out. And I do think it's a quick read, a decent read, and but it really does talk about when it's all said and done, we could have titled this Living Life Deliberately and Achieving Happiness in Relations, Business, and Life. And so when it's all said and done, you have a choice. All of us, all of us have choices, how we approach problems and how we live our life and our relationship with our job, our relationship with our spouse, relationship with our children. We all have a choice. And it's about deliberately making choices to help make those relationships as enjoyable as possible. You can't control the other person. You cannot, but you can make it really inviting for them to say yes. So what I really love about this content, you said a number of really great things. And I also was thinking about my book, The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track, because there was no playbook for you had your talent. But what happens when you're off track? You can't follow just a straight five-step approach to get you back on track. You have to go through a little self-discovery, figure out your strengths, your passion, et cetera, and what do you pull on to get yourself back on track? So what I love about this work is that it seems a little bit more, not self-help, but inwardly focus on what is it that you want, because only when you are passionate and feel confident in what you say, muster up the courage and embrace the journey that you should be on, then you can live life deliberately. But you said something really interesting that I want leaders to listen to is that there was somebody that was working for you that came into your work and said, why haven't you published this? 
the really amazing thing is that we as leaders, we are expected to be inspirational and inspire others. But it is very interesting when you open your hearts and your minds up to somebody who works for you, who has inspired you. So just be open to inspiration doesn't have to be from above or somebody quite famous. It can be somebody significant and close to you who has a trusting relationship. They can potentially inspire the next book. Yeah, on that topic, I think one of the things I've learned over time that this is for everybody listening, business leaders, aspiring leaders, entrepreneurs, that your people, the people who work with you want to be part of an inspirational organization. They want to be part of a growing organization. I remember her saying, like, you're being silly and stupid not to publish it. So like, we're a better organization because of it. And she wanted to see that forgotten. We just had a little celebration this week about it. And the whole team was super excited. I think that's part of the responsibility as a leader is continue to have an inspirational environment. People want to be inspired. They want to be part of a group like that. They do all the time. So what does the leader, the business owner, entrepreneur look like right now, or what are they feeling? What angst are they feeling right now for which your book, your services, your program can help them? What do they look like right now? Because for whoever's listening, either you may want to connect with Randy, or maybe you know somebody that definitely could benefit from some of his work. What does that person look like? We're living in odd times today. And I don't know they're odd, bad, but one of the things that's happening and we've been talking about this. I don't like the I told you so stuff. This is super foundational to me that since April of 2020, we've been talking about this pandemic is going to change our labor force substantially. And last year, it was change that was forced upon us by primarily governments. And, and so now that we've moved largely past that, over the top, but largely past that, people now are looking at change saying, huh, we handled change okay last year. And it was change that was forced upon us. And, and now I'm thinking about change that I'm self-inducing. So you have a labor force that's very much in motion that where do they want to work? How do they want to work? How much do they want to work? What do they want to do? We're seeing a real alignment of people identifying with companies or associations they want to work for and they want to embrace. And so I think as business leaders, number one, you have to be as painful as it is, and it is painful as a business leader, accept the change and volatility of your labor force. And number two, embrace those people who want to leave and embrace those people who want to join you. And so I think that where we are today is that if you own a company or a leader in a company, like your product probably is still pretty great. Maybe the way you deliver your product or service has changed because the world's changed. But more importantly, the people delivering their product for sure have changed. And that's okay. This might be a one-time thing or a rare thing. It's not over yet, by the way. We have another year to go. But it's an unusual time because people are truly aligning. With COVID, it did teach us, a lot of us, I like the idea of slowing down a little bit. I like the idea of having more peaceful time, time with my family. So embrace the change and do it sooner to get alignment within your organization to get back to doing business. So that's very helpful for me to understand the ideal person. I think it's somebody, as you describe it, that already is very successful, but they just want to be better prepared. And I like the way you talk about investing in the people when the variable in your business is the people. How is we as a leader acknowledge that and respond to those changes? Next day, it could be supply chain. Next time, it could be tax law, but it's about building that resiliency either to be able to better react to change in your business or to be able to anticipate and be better prepared when change happens. Love that. 
but a story. I know you probably have many stories of leaders who you have worked with, but what's a story about somebody that, I don't know, they're in a tough place or maybe they were in a great place and you brought them to the next level? I'd love to know. Yeah, so we've had people hire us. The first thing we do is sit down and really identify at a very, very root level their life goals in a way that's never been done before. And oftentimes when they're doing it, we always require their spouse to be part of it. The spouses are looking at each other like, well, I didn't know that about you. I didn't know that's what you wanted. And so we've done this several times, more than several times. The people completely transition their business because at the end of the day, they love being in business. But they didn't love exactly what they were doing. So one example was we have a client who actually was in here yesterday that he started off, he wrote a book about American-made furniture. And then he sold, he was a distributor for Stickley, which is a fantastic American-made furniture brand. And he realized after five or six years, we helped them come to the conclusion that while he loved furniture, he didn't like selling anybody else's furniture. He wanted to make his own furniture. And so he went from being a distributor to manufacturer. Today, he now is $40 million, very profitable, American-made furniture manufacturer. We have another client who, ironically, when we rebranded to work with first-generation entrepreneurs, we hired him. He had a branding agency. And then through that process, he hired us. And now he realized, like, I love building brands, but just not for other people. I build it for myself. So we helped transition them. And now you live in Cincinnati. So you're familiar with Pins Mechanical. But it's Pins Mechanical Company, which is now a, a national sports activity chain or activity and leisure drinking establishment. And they're huge. And he's got other concepts behind them. So really help our clients understand what they love and help give them the path to get their confidence, to get there, support them through the process, whatever the case may be. And that is amazing because sometimes I think what I'm feeling is that you're already working with somebody that recognizes a change is needed and that they're not exactly sure what, and they need an external perspective. So kudos to you there. So I have to ask you, how did you get to be known as getting the Big Splash Award? Tell me more about that. <laughs> oh, I love this question. And it's the first time anybody's ever asked me. But yes, I am a five-time Big Splash champion at Sayota Country Club in the open division. And it's every summer when we have this, I always ask, is it Fancy Dive Day or is it Big Splash Day? Because if it's Fancy Dive Day, I'm not going to win. If it's Big Splash Day, I have a shot. Once that's clarified, and I'll participate in either, but Big Splash, I've got one move. It's a can opener. And by the time I write it, it is a very large splash. And so that's what makes us unique and special. Celebrate the quirks, the things that make us unique, because you never know, you may be an award-winning cannonball (laughs) (laughs) splash maker. I just wanted to go there because sometimes we hide the personal side of who we are because we have to show up a certain way. But it's all part of building relationships, building trust, so that people who are maybe even listening say, I want to get to know Randy and hear more about that big splash award. So you have been amazing. I just want to ask you one more question. The book. Again, you put it out there so that people can leverage your expertise and be that first generational entrepreneur, highly successful. But if people wanted just a couple quick tips, maybe they haven't thought about working with you yet, but maybe in the future, what are some things that they could leverage from the book or just start doing now to maybe position their business for a better result in the future? You just said something a second ago that I actually, there's one thing that listen to take away. So one of the reasons why I choose to work with who I do 
is I don't have to show up different. I show up the same person every day, all the time. Like I literally live my life exactly. Like, there's no on and off button. It's I am who I am. I say what I say, whether I'm working or socializing or whatever. And I think that leader, if you can work in an environment where you're showing up naturally and you're yourself all the time, you'll be so much more effective. Frankly, that's what part of this book is about is if you can have positive relationships around you, it's easy to show up naturally. And you just work better in your natural environment. You're not being something you're not or you're holding back because of politics, whatever the case may be. But I really, in my experience with first-generation entrepreneurs is that they, most of the time, they're showing up pretty naturally and authentically. They don't have to manufacture a different face. So that's one thing I'd say, take away. Life's simpler when you're showing up naturally all the time. So that's a big wow for me. And I wrote that one down because I absolutely agree with you. And this is just somebody that if you're listening to this interview right now, I want you to, if it's appropriate, close your eyes and think. When you show up for work, when you show up in your business, are you changing who you are or do you hold yourself back? Because know that that will be a constant point of stress on your emotions and your persona. And when and if you are in an environment where you could be completely natural and be yourself, do you have any stress? Probably not. Very huge. Huge. Love it. So we're going to bring this in for a close. Again, I wish you amazing success on your book. Mine is imminently arriving on my doorstep and can't wait to share it with the world. Any last thoughts that you may have for our listeners or how they best can reach out to you? Always start with our website, www.verberclarity.com. We do publish a lot of material on our blog and via LinkedIn. We're pretty active with our thought leadership of matters that whether you're an entrepreneur or a business leader or aspiring leader that you should think about. And so some of it is very practical from the standpoint of do this, do that. A lot of it's thought-provoking too. And I do believe we're living in interesting times, different interesting times. I really believe my heart of hearts is a huge opportunity right now in changing the world, moving the needle, and really growing a great business. And there's some scariness to it because there's creative destruction happening. And that sucks for people who are stuck up into that. But there's tremendous opportunity. And so I think this is the time to embrace it. And if you do, and you do it with a positive attitude, you're likely to be rewarded. All right. Well, Randy, thank you so much for all of that. If nothing else, you have given me the self-assurance that I am on the right track. I am measuring the right things. I am in the right place. And I feel natural for what I'm doing to bring insights and inspiration such as yours to the people that are listening. So I do wish you continue success with helping other entrepreneurs and you've been an amazing guest thank you so much thank you for having me i really appreciate it thank you for listening to the drop-in ceo podcast my new book ceo's compass will change the way you think about leadership navigate rapid transformation and elevate the leaders of tomorrow if you're feeling off track the ceo's compass assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days not months You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.